want to say good morning, Community Alliance Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Joe. I'm welcoming you in here today. Those of you here in the building with us, I want to say good morning to our online audience as well. We're delighted to have you here worshiping with us today. You do want to sign up for Serve Day. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get a lot of stuff done. We're going to spend some time with each other too, just getting to know each other and having a great time. Uh, if you want to sign up, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. If you're here today or if you're watching online, you can go to our website and sign up on our events page. Well, I'm really excited because for the next couple weeks, we're going to be in a, in a sermon series called Strange Things Jesus Said. And, and you might be sitting there or watching and you're looking at this graphic saying, well, that graphic is strange, I know that. But some of you know that this graphic is actually an adaptation from the hit Netflix TV show, Stranger Things. Now, Stranger Things, if you've not watched it, is a show about some things that are, well, strange. If you look it up on Wikipedia, you'll find out that Stranger Things is set in the 1980s, which is kind of a strange decade Anyhow, I grew up then. The 80s gave us weird things like Teddy Ruxpin, that bear that gave you nightmares. And Trapper Keepers, for those organized people that were growing in that decade, I feel like Trapper Keeper made a huge investment in my organizational skills. If you don't know what that is, kids, ask your parents. And then there was Pee-wee's Playhouse, right? Secret word of the day was strange. Now, Stranger Things is a show that has some strange things. If you've watched it, you may know that there's a boy who mysteriously disappears. There's a psychokinetic girl who mysteriously appears. There's a secret laboratory doing like hush-hush experiments. And then there's a portal to an alternate dimension called the Upside Down. All very strange, but I want to tell you something that's going to make you think that I am strange, if you don't think that already. I've never watched Stranger Things once. I know, right? It's not that like, so, so here's the thing. It's not that I don't like, like upside downs and alternate portals to weird dimensions and things like that. It's just that I have two kids at home. And so this TV show is an hour long, and by the time we get the kids in bed, and my wife and I get in bed, and we're going to watch a show together, we can only stay awake for about a 22-minute sitcom. That's it. And then we're done. So this is just, it would take us a week to get through one episode. We'd have to do it piece by piece by piece. We bring up this Stranger Things TV show, not because we're going to talk about it. Sorry for those who came expecting that. We're going to be talking about some things, actually, that Jesus said. Imagine that. At church, we're going to talk about things Jesus said. And so when you read your Bible and you see some things that Jesus said, you're going to see that he kind of says some things that might fall into some different categories. For instance, there's things in the Bible that Jesus said that are really nice and comfortable and kind of make us smile. Like this one. Let the children come to me. Isn't that a happy verse? For centuries, people have been painting nice, happy, churchy Maybe a little bit cheesy, sorry if you have that picture in your house. Paintings of Jesus just doing nice flowery things. And then there's other things that Jesus said that are really, really clear, but they're pretty hard to do. For instance, he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Clear, but tough. And there, there are some things you're going to come across in Scripture that Jesus said that are just, well, they're just strange kind of out there. They make you scratch your head a little bit. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of those things. And this morning, rather than kind of easing our way into this topic, we're going to jump right in 
with what I would call the granddaddy of them all, strange things Jesus said. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verse 53. If you want to pull your Bible out, invite you to join us there. We're going to cover a lot of ground in Scripture today. If you're at home, feel free to bring it up on a mobile device. We're also going to have it on the screen for you to follow along with us as well. John chapter 6, verse 53. Let's look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man... And drink his blood, you have no life in you. That is certainly strange. I mean, could you imagine if Jesus tweeted this, right? You think people are putting controversial stuff on social media right now. What if he put this out there? People would go crazy. Hannibal Lecter would like it, for sure. But everyone else would lose their minds. Surely, surely he can't mean what it looks like he means, right? Like he's going to destrangeify it. Let's see what he says next. He goes, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus, he's not backpedaling at all. In fact, in fact, as he continues on even further, he puts his foot on the pedal and pushes the gas down and drives it ahead. He says, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them the one who feeds on me will live because of me. I think, maybe you think, this is kind of strange. I mean, I, I imagine sometimes the guy who got the job of writing these things down. Like, So there's John. John was one of Jesus' disciples. And, and actually they had a really close friendship and an intimate relationship. And after Jesus went to heaven to be with the Father, John was writing down some of the things that Jesus did and the things that he said. And I can just imagine him sitting there writing and thinking, there's no way anybody is going to believe this. They're going to think they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm on some kind of drug. And so he writes this, I think, a few verses later because he wants to say, look, look, if you think this is weird, I think it's weird too. He writes, on hearing it, many of his disciples, many of his own gang, many of his own people said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? So what's Jesus talking about here? What those who were with him that day who realized that it was a hard teaching may not have realized yet and what, when we come to this passage in Scripture, we struggle to realize is that Jesus didn't make this statement in isolation. It wasn't disconnected from everything else. In fact, it was very, very connected to an event that had just happened earlier in John chapter 6, and then a conversation that this statement was a part of. And so to understand it, we've got to back up a little bit in John chapter 6 and look at the event that had taken place, and then the conversation that led to this statement. So if you have John chapter 6 in front of you, you can kind of maybe browse back. We're not going to read every verse, but let me tell you what happened. Jesus is out teaching in the northern Israel countryside a day or two before he said this. And it's, it's a, a long, hot day, very, very remote. And the Bible tells us there were like 5,000 plus people who had come out to hear him teach. And the day wears on, and, and the people are getting really, really hungry. And just when it seemed like it was about time to pray and let people go home, Jesus looks at the crowd, the Bible tells us. He saw a great crowd coming to him, and he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread 
for these people to eat. I think Jesus has a sense of humor here, and I think that it probably tells us Philip was the disciple that was wound the most tightly because he's freaking out. He's like, wait, what, what, we've got to find, what, we're going to get bread where? He's freaking out. And Jesus, though, he says this kind of to mess with Philip, but also because the Bible tells us he asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. Jesus asked him this question because he knew what he was going to do next, but not just that, he knew what was going to happen the next day or two when he began to talk about what had just happened. Now, maybe you've heard this story before. It's kind of famous. Do you remember what Jesus does? He has a big dinner party out there in the desert, out there in the wilderness, and this little boy gives up his five loaves of bread and two fish, and, and Jesus creates this giant buffet, and everybody comes and eats bread and fish until they're just stuffed, like Thanksgiving Day stuffed. And they think it's pretty cool. So they want to make Jesus king. Well, Jesus instead kind of runs away and hides a little bit so they don't try to do that. And the people kind of like, well, what do we do? And, and, and a couple days later, they find him teaching in a synagogue. And that's where a conversation comes out of the event that had just happened. Now, now, a synagogue is kind of like, like what we call church. It, it would be where the Jewish people would come and, and, and someone would read scripture and then someone would teach about it. And that day, Jesus showed up in the synagogue. It was in Capernaum. And they had this novel idea, the Son of God is here. Why don't we let him talk about what the Bible means? So Jesus starts to teach. And he says to them, look, look. You guys were out in the desert a couple days ago looking for food. You were hungry, and I gave it to you. And then scholars think that this was the passage that was read that day in synagogue. It came from Exodus chapter 16. The Bible says, The Israelites said to them, them is Moses and, and the other leaders of Israel, If we only had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt... There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are, going, are, are to go out, to each, go out each day and gather enough for that day. Jesus said, look, look, don't miss this point. I just did this miracle with bread, and now we're looking at this story of how God did a miracle with bread. Because I want you to know something. Jesus tells them this. It's my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is saying, in case you're seeing a theme here in John chapter 6, we're talking a lot about bread. Now, the people that were there are kind of excited. They had just heard he did this big miracle. Some of them were there, and they're thinking, man, we don't have to work. Like, this guy's just going to feed us all the time. It's just kind of like youth ministry in the 90s. If you just buy pizza, people show up. Like, Jesus is like, he's the bread man. And so they're excited. In fact, they're really excited. And they say this to him. He said, sir, always give us this bread. This heaven bread. Like they were out in the desert before and they thought, well, that was like, okay, that was wonder bread. He didn't have a lot to work with. 
but now we're in town, and we're going to have this heavenly bread. I think if he'd have said this to us in Butler, if he'd have said it to me, I'd have been thinking about Texas Roadhouse buns. I don't think there's better bread in Butler. Like, you've been to Texas Roadhouse, right? You get the bread, it comes out, it's warm, and then you put the cinnamon sugar butter on it, and it just melts right down in. It just it becomes one. It's like a marriage of bread and butter. Come on, you've been, there, like, you've been to Texas Roadhouse. I've had this thought. I, like... I order steak so that I get the free bread. I've wondered before, if I don't order food, will they just keep, like, how long can we do this before they kick me out? And the people are kind of having the same kind of a thought. They're thinking, this is great. We're going to get free bread. And then Jesus, the master teacher that he is, he takes what they think they need, physical bread, and he flips it on them to reveal to them what they truly need. And he says this, I am the bread of life. You're seeking bread. I am the bread of life. Now, now in their culture, the word bread could actually stand for more than just, just what we think of as bread. Like, I think of bread as like Italian bread or, or wheat bread or rye. But, but in their language, the word for bread actually could represent like all of food, all of the things that they would eat to sustain life. It was kind of like, like if you go to the South and you order a Coke, the waitress might say to you, well, what do you want? And, and because Coke in the South isn't just for Coca-Cola, it represents the entire category of pop, except they wouldn't call it pop. It would be soda. That, it would be a really confusing conversation. It means more than what it just says. And Jesus is saying, I am the food. I'm the food of life. He said, think about it spiritually. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Just as in your life, you need to eat physical food if you're going to stay alive. There's a spiritual food that you need in order to have a spiritual life. And then he uses an analogy and says to them, whoever eats this bread will live forever. He starts to talk about eating. Now, I want you to think about eating. It's one of my favorite things to think about. I think about it a lot. What comes to mind when you think about eating? You know, for some people, eating is like an experience. Maybe a nice dinner out at an Italian restaurant with, with course after course after course. Or maybe for you, eating is kind of like a social time. Like you think of eating, maybe it's around the dinner table as a family. For others, maybe you think of eating as like as comfort or pleasure. Like I'm going to go home and have that pizza and just enjoy it. You know, for others, eating is just kind of like an annoying thing you have to do every day. In our house, we have this little saying that I live to eat, my wife eats to live. Now, now whatever you think about, though, when it comes to eating, if you think about what is eating in its most granular, basic element, it's this. Eating really is simply taking in food to provide energy for life and growth, like gasoline in a car. Food, eating is really just how we take in food to provide energy so we can live our lives. So what Jesus is saying when he says, whoever eats this bread will live forever, he says, whoever takes me in will have life. Now, I want you to think about the food that you eat. This isn't a guilt trip. The food that you eat. So let's say you eat a piece of bread. In order for that bread to be made, at some point someone had to go out and cut down wheat. Essentially kill it. Stop its life to be made into bread so that you could eat it to continue to have energy for yourself. Or, or, or meat. If you're going to go home and have a burger or a piece of chicken, some animal had to give up its physical life so that you could eat it in order to sustain 
your life. And that's the point that Jesus starts to make. He's saying, look, look, just like the food that you eat, something has to die. It can't simultaneously be alive and be food for you to sustain your life. Just like something has to give up its life for you to have life physically. Someone has to give up their life in order for you to have spiritual food to sustain your spiritual life. Which is why in your Bible, I think, if you look at the next phrase he has in John chapter 6, verse 51, he says this. He says, this bread, remember, this spiritual food is my flesh or my body, my physical life, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is pointing to what he's going to do on the cross. And he's saying, I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my flesh, my flesh will be torn apart, my blood will be spilled, so that you can have life. Think about the food that you eat. Jesus is an everyday example. And he says, just as something must give up its life to give you physical life, I must give up my life to give you spiritual life. He's teaching them on a spiritual level, which brings us to the next verse, or the next statement in John chapter 6, verse 53, that strange statement. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. That's led us to this point. Now, before we go further, I, I just want to explain something or bring something up because I realize in our culture, many have heard this verse used to teach that when we have communion or the Lord's Supper, that the elements actually become real flesh and real blood. And, and you may have even heard it taught that unless you take communion, you cannot have eternal life. And, and, and I just want you to know that it doesn't seem that this is what this verse is teaching. For instance, or, or consider that in this passage, Jesus is not in the upper room where he gave his teaching about the Lord's Supper. He, he's in a synagogue. This happened at least a year or two before the Lord's Supper took place. He's not talking about how the Passover meal of the Jewish people became to represent what he did on the cross. There's not even bread and wine present. F furthermore, John, John is the, he's the upper room guy when it comes to the Gospels. He spends one quarter of his Gospel writing talking about everything that happened in the upper room that night before Jesus died when they took the Lord's Supper. But John never once mentions the Lord's Supper in his Gospel. The other Gospel writers are the ones who talk about what Jesus said with the, the new meaning for the Passover meal. John doesn't bring it up. So it does make you wonder, if this is such a critical idea for eternal life, why doesn't John mention it? I, I think it's because Jesus isn't talking about communion here. He's talking about something else. He's trying to get his followers to understand something else, something spiritual. So, so if this isn't about a mutation that takes place in, in communion, which is strange, and it's, if it's not about cannibalism, which would be really, really strange, wh what's he talking about? Well, let's go back to what we said eating was. Eating is simply taking in food to provide energy for life. Eating is taking something in. 
And then what did Jesus tell us just a moment ago he, he, he was going to do with his body, with his flesh? He said, I will give it, or I will give my flesh for the life of the world. So, so when we take the verse about eat my flesh and drink my blood, and we look at what eating represents and what his flesh represents, and we read the verse through that lens, I think we can say this, that Jesus was saying, unless you take in my life given for you, you have no life in you. Whoever takes in my life given for him or her has eternal life. He, he's saying, I'm going to give my life to provide energy and life spiritually for you, but you have to take it in. Jesus is saying, you must take into your life my life taken for you. He's saying, you can't keep what I'm going to do out there. Just knowing about it, just knowing who I am, isn't enough. It's got to come inside of you in order for it to give you life. Th think about it like this. Do you recognize this guy? Pro probably not. His name was Kurt Gödel. I can't say it. it's German. I'm probably butchering it, so I apologize to our German audience. But his name was Kurt G-O-D-E-L. And actually, turns out, this strange-looking guy was one of the most brilliant logicians and mathematicians of the 19th century. He was a brilliant, brilliant guy. He was kind of like Sheldon Cooper before there was Sheldon Cooper. Like Sheldon Cooper, he was also quite eccentric. As he got older in life, he became convinced that somebody was out to poison him. Like somebody was out to get him. But he had a faithful wife named Adele, not the singer, the other Adele. And he trusted her. So he would not eat any food unless she cooked it. And if they were out, he wouldn't eat any food unless she tasted it first. Which really probably is a bad indicator for the relationship. If he's convinced someone's trying to kill him and he makes his wife eat his food first. That's a different topic. So he thinks someone's trying to kill him. And the whole Adele plan worked great until in 1977 Adele gets sick. She goes into the hospital. She can't take care of him anymore. She can't cook his food. She can't try his food when they're out. And so Kurt decides he's not going to eat. He refuses to eat because he doesn't want to take in poison. His friends try to convince him, look, no one's trying to kill you. You've got to eat. This is bad. But he absolutely refused to eat. And eventually he succumbed to starvation. When he died, he weighed 65 pounds. It wasn't that food wasn't available. Many people who cared about him tried to give it to him. He just refused to take it into his body. And so he starved. I think that we live in a world that is spiritually starving. And the message that Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying to us, you're not starving because food isn't available. You're starving because you will not take in the food that can give you the life that you so desperately, desperately need. And when we look around at our world, and maybe you even experience this in our own lives, we may not feel pangs of hunger in our stomachs. We feel pangs of hunger in our souls. Maybe you've experienced, maybe that's where you're at today. 
You've tried, you've tried everything. I mean, you've gone down the bread aisle and you tried everything there is to offer. You name it, relationships, money, success, career, family, pleasure. And it might fill you for a little while, kind of like the bread that Jesus had given the folks the day or two before. But it ultimately, it doesn't take away that hunger because you're desiring a food that can't fill your spiritual hunger. And Jesus is saying, I am that food. There is a hunger you have in your life that you cannot satisfy without me. So the question becomes, how do I take into my life, Jesus' life, taken for me? How, how does this work? Jesus says, just like you have to eat bread to take it into your body, you have to take into my life or take into your life my life through belief. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said this right in the middle of his teaching in John chapter 6. The one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Now, now you might be sitting here thinking today, well, you know, I, I, I've gone to church really all my life. I've, I'm a, I've been a community line church for years. I grew up in youth group here. I went to Sunday school. You might be thinking, you know what? Uh, I serve. I've done things. I've done all these things. You know, my grandfather was a pastor. I'm a really, really good person. But Jesus doesn't say the one who goes to church, the one who is pretty good most of the time, the one who believes that I existed. He said, the one who believes. And believe isn't, isn't like a head knowledge of Jesus' existence. It's a faith intake of what he's done for us. Belief is saying, I have a spiritual hunger that I've tried to satisfy, but I cannot satisfy it on my own. And I realize that Jesus came to this world, gave his life, allowed his flesh and his blood to be spilled and torn apart so that I can have the food that I need. And unless I place my faith and trust in him for my salvation, for my spiritual life, every other attempt that I make will only leave me more hungry inside. Jesus is saying, that's how you take me in. By placing your faith in me and by giving your life to me. It's a faith. It's a spiritual decision. It's not an effort that we can make on our own part. Jesus made that effort for us. We have to trust him and follow him with our lives. Now, I got to believe there are many folks listening to this message this morning, and, and you would say, there has been a point when I've made that spiritual decision in my life. I want you to know that Jesus is not only giving a promise here that when we take him into our lives that we will have spiritual life. He's also teaching a principle. He's basically saying to them, you don't eat just once in your physical life. You've got to eat continually. What got you started in your spiritual life, what I've done for you, you've got to continue to eat. You've got to continue to take me in. 
If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to remain spiritually nourished and spiritually energized, you've got to continually take me in. You've got to eat. I, 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 I could probably find some people here that I could take the Quaker Steak and Lube and we'll get the all-you-can-eat wings if they still have it. And you would, you would probably just amaze me how many, how many wings you can eat. Did you see the hot dog eating guy? The Joe, is it Joey Chet? Did he win again? How many hot dogs did that guy eat? Like, if that was me, I wouldn't eat for days. But you know what? I bet you by today he's hungry again. You can't eat just once. But we try to live our spiritual lives that way sometimes, don't we? We have a spiritual experience. We expect it to carry us on. Maybe you come to church on Sunday and you expect that to make you, help you get through the entire week until you sit down and come again the next Sunday. And Jesus is saying, you've got to be eating regularly. You've got to be in my word. You've got to be spending time getting to know me and allowing me to speak into your life. You've got to have conversation with me through prayer. You've got to allow me to feed you on a regular basis. I, I think he would also say, you've got to, look, look, you've got to be, you've got to be serving too. I don't feed you so you can get fat. I feed you so you have energy for life, so you can help others, so you can show others my love. So that's my question to you today. If, if you've made that spiritual decision before, are you starving right now? Have you said, I'm going to eat once and I'm done. That's good. I've got my place in heaven taken care of. Now I'm just going to go about my life. Jesus is saying, I didn't come to die for that. I came to die so that you could experience life in me every single day of your life. And so that others through you, through the energy I give you, can experience life as well. I just want to ask you now as we, as we get ready to close, would you mind just bowing your heads with me? Before we walk out of here and, and head to enjoying a beautiful Sunday, I just want to ask, how is God speaking to you today? Maybe you are listening to this and you would say, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never taken him in. Maybe you're the one that he's talking about in that verse when he says, the one who believes. Maybe you're that one. Would you give your life to Christ today? Would you say, I need to take you in? I realize I have emptiness inside that only you can fill. Where, where you're sitting right now, where you're watching, where you're listening, I just want to ask you, tell him that. Jesus, I take you into my life. Forgive all of my failed attempts to achieve spiritual life on my own. Thank you for giving your life so I can have life. I choose to follow you. Or maybe you're sitting here today and you would say, you know, my, I'm pretty, my spiritual life's pretty dead. Could it be because you're just starving? Could it be because you just, you haven't been taking Jesus into your life? You haven't been regularly feeding on the Word of God. You haven't regularly consuming who He is through prayer. What's God saying to you today? He wants to fill you up. But we have to take it in. He won't shove it down your mouth. He won't shove it into your life. God, we come before you. God, I do, I just thank you so much for Jesus' teaching. It's just so interesting. He never said what you think he was going to say. And because he didn't, he just uncovered such truth in a way that, that, reveal 
reveals who you are and who he is and what his mission was. And God, I pray that we will not walk out of this place today without embracing you, without you meeting us here, without us taking you in. God, even as we take in the food that you have to give us, God, I pray that you'll give us energy to serve you. I know that you don't call us here just to get filled up ourselves. You call to fill us up so that we can take the food that you've given to us to a starving community and a starving world who needs the love and truth of Jesus Christ in their, in their lives in a way that they don't even realize. Please use us, God. Use our words, use our actions, use our attitudes to serve you as we leave this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Have a great week, everybody. I want to invite you back next week. We're going to be looking at another strange thing that Jesus says.